Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. Hello, I'm Michelle Michael. In this special series of Ag Future, we're talking with those working along the food supply chain about the impact of COVID-19. My guest today is Dave Preisler, the CEO of Minnesota Pork and the Minnesota Pork Producers Association. Dave, thanks so much for being with us. You bet. My pleasure. Dave, now you're heavily involved in the pork industry and you, uh, at a national level, you represent Minnesota pig farmers. Tell me a bit uh, about your role, what you do day to day to represent swine producers in your state. Sure. So my primary role is really more along the the public policy, public affairs side of things. And so not only interacting with um, the senators and representatives um, that we have in Washington, D.C., but also working with our state legislature and also a whole host of state agencies. And, uh, you know, there are times when, um, you know, you wonder how some of those meetings go and, and the value of having all of those contacts. And then you run into a situation like this and, and boy, your, your call list becomes pretty important um, because it takes an awful lot of people and a lot of moving parts to try and, and deal with situations like this. I can only imagine right now how things have changed for you. Describe for us what it's like right now in your shoes with COVID-19, your day-to-day. Um, sure. I'd say that the biggest thing is just really constantly being on the phone, um, conference calls, webinars, and and trying to get the absolute best information, um, first of all, that we can share with our members. And, um, you know, we're really driven by our members and and their interests, which are pork producers. And um, so everything that we do is really through that lens of what's the best for for the hog farmer at the at that farm level. And um, so it's it's really then trying to connect those dots and uh, and see how we can move things forward. I will tell you there there is nothing easy about um, this whole thing, and I don't think that's new to to anyone, and it's extremely complicated. Um, but our job is to try and, and see how we can navigate through it, and, uh, and that's what we're committed to do. Certainly the entire globe right now is trying to navigate this thing, and, and we have a very global audience. Can you explain to us how many pigs are in Minnesota compared to, say, Iowa, which is home to some 23 million pigs? Um, sure. So Minnesota annually would produce about 18 million head, uh, which would put Minnesota um, second, now quite a distant second, um, to, uh, to Iowa. Um, we would be just ahead of North Carolina. Um, you know, we have been a state that's experienced what I would call really sustainable growth over time. Um, pretty steady growth each and every year. And this is a really competitive place to, to raise pigs because we have plenty of feed um, and we have uh, plenty of land from a standpoint of recycling the manure. And then the other thing that we really have here are people and people that are really good at what they do. And whether it's um, you know employees and farmers at at the barn level, um, vet clinics, um, feed companies, other pieces of in- infrastructure, they're just really good here, and it makes a good place to raise pigs. And that's why, you know, over time, um, it's grown and uh, and folks have been successful. 
And many of those people, people you are referring to, uh, we've met some of them firsthand. They're, they're very passionate people. Um, so when you look at their industry right now, the swine industry specifically, what are you seeing? I mean, in some parts of the country, COVID-19 has halted production of processing facilities. What are you hearing? What are you seeing firsthand about the impact of this pandemic on those very passionate people that you're talking about? Well, first of all, I mean, it's really, um, it's really personal. Um, you know, because we're talking about families and families living um, that they've been making over years and, and what they've built up within um, their communities. And it's also personal for communities. And I think that's something that folks need to understand that it's, it's not just about the farm. It's also the communities that those farms um, support and, and nurture and grow and bring along. And so that's when we get times like this. It's not only difficult on the farm. I mean, really difficult on the farm, but in turn, it's going to be difficult on rural communities. You know, and that's the discussion that we're having as we talk with our legislators and representatives at a state level and at a federal level, is that things like this have real consequences for rural communities. And so as we're communicating with people, one of the things that we are urging folks to do is to call, um, especially their senator and representative that... uh, that do represent them in Washington, D.C., and talk with them about what the impact of this has been. And so whether it's not being able to sell pigs, um, the current market condition in general, and then bring it right down to the personal level as to what that does for their family and for the communities that they live in. And I think those are going to be the most effective stories as we try and work with people that represent us in Washington, D.C., because then they know what the actual personal impact is. And so that's something I think that's incredibly important to do. And we would hope that all of your listeners follow through and do that same thing, you know, not only for their own farms, but also for the customers that they're serving. And what are some of those specific stories that you're hearing right now, Dave, about uh, the impact on the community and the producers? Yeah, I think, first of all, we start at the producer level. You know, we know we've got some pretty incredible disruptions at packing plants. Um, You know, currently we have... Um, you know, a major packing plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that is, is closed. We have another packing plant that is attempting to open back up um, in Iowa, which has been closed for a um, little over a week now. Um, and then we also got some real slowdowns that have occurred to varying degrees at different plants around uh, the United States. And uh, some of that may be just a very slight slowdown um, because of either issues, uh, being able to have enough employees. Um, Some of that may be real from a standpoint of employees that are experiencing illness. And quite honestly, some of it's fear. And so there's kind of a combination of things there on the employee side. And then the other thing is just, uh, you know, as we look at moving pork and what's happened in the whole dynamic of, of moving product right now is that you know, by and large, the, the restaurant industry in the United States is, is shut down. There's still some takeout work that's going on, but that's really a small portion of what was going on on the restaurant or food service side. And so you have this giant pivot that's occurring with packing companies trying to take material that would have gone to restaurants and move it into retail. And that's just something you don't do overnight. And so you have that combination of, of labor issues, health issues. And then also that pivot that it takes to try and reroute product. And um, those, I'd say, are two of our biggest things as we look at the whole packing um, sector 
and uh, continue to try and work through that. We're just currently at a spot, at least right now, you know, where we're not having a matchup of pigs that are available um, for um, for processing and the available packing space that's out there today. And so we have farms that are doing a whole host of things to try and slow pigs down. And, you know, nutrition companies actively working with um, farms to try and help them through that. Um, but you can only do that for a short period of time. Right. You, you talk about shutting down a plant. That certainly has a ripple effect. What happens at the farm level? I mean, to keep it simple, a farmer has to keep feeding his animals for growth, for meat quality. Now what? what? What do farmers do? What do producers do in this situation? Yeah, I think those difficult decisions, quite honestly, are starting to be made right now. And um, I have no doubt um, that we will see pigs that, um, healthy pigs, that will be put down on the farm in order to adjust to what's going on right now. I think the only question mark is how many. And I don't think anyone has got an accurate forward view of what that number will end up being because it really depends on how that packing dynamic changes and adjusts and how soon, for example, the plant in Sioux Falls can come back and how quickly the plant in Iowa can ramp up and then what happens with other plants that have got some slowdowns right now. And that's a dynamic that quite honestly changes every day. And um, so I think it's difficult to predict how many. All I can tell you is that it will happen and it's starting to happen. And it's, uh, I think it's just a question of where it brings us. You know, I, I think we're going to have many more difficult decisions um, in about a week from everything that we're hearing from farms um, if we don't see this packing dynamic change. There are an awful lot of unknowns at this point. Uh, how, in your eyes, will this affect the availability of pork. I mean, there have been some stark warnings and reports of those factories closing, as you mentioned, and, and as workers themselves test positive for COVID. Should we, the consumers, worry about a, a shortage in the supermarket, for example? Yeah, I think that you've got, you know, again, a few things going on. We have heard from CEOs of, uh, you know, of food companies and of packing companies uh, laying that warning out. I know that the CEO of Smithfield was very clear about that. Um, in uh, in press releases that they've had just in in the last few days, is you know being you know laying warnings out there about food availability going down the road. Again, I think without a doubt, there's going to be some sort of an effect. What we don't know again is to what degree, and um, you know we will have heavier hogs uh, that will go through plants as we have things you know backed up. So that's going to create you know a dynamic there. But then again, it ends up being, you know, the consumer still has to has to consume that product, you know. And uh, I think going again, crystal ball is depending on how long this goes on in our current situation. Again, we will have decisions made on farms that uh, where they're going to have to decide whether to breed sows or not. Um, also, what to do with putting down healthy animals on the farm. And I don't really know that we're going to see that kind of food availability piece for probably a few months or several months, um, because it takes a while for that to fully work through the system. When you talk about putting down healthy animals on the farm, I mean, COVID-19 is unprecedented 
is something like that unprecedented as well in your industry? Um, it is. You know, there have been other times in history. I mean, specifically 1994, um, 1998 into 1999, 2008, you know, where there have been some incredible uh, times from a standpoint of being you know, challenging economically, where there were heavy, heavy losses um, that occurred at the farm level. Um, the thing I think that's um, unfortunately you know, different about this one is that uh, there are just so many other dynamics. Okay. So for example, you know, and for the most part, what happened in those other downturns is we just had a, a fairly simple non matchup, you know, of, of supply and demand. Okay. And, and, and a fairly simple supply and demand curve. Okay. Had a lot of pigs, not enough packing capacity, um, and or, you know, demand for that product out the, um, the other side, but we've never had, um, the dynamic of, of workers really in the whole thing, um, and worker health and that sort of piece. And then the other thing that we've never had is just a complete switch over in a really short period of time from food service over to retail. And those are two dynamics that I don't know that every, anyone has ever modeled um, because they certainly haven't happened in real life. And uh, so I think that makes this much different and uh, it makes it a whole lot less predictable than a simple supply demand curve than that we saw with other downturns previously um, you know, in our history as we look at the marketplace. Sure, sure. Now, talking about the workers with uh, social distancing in full force around the globe, almost everywhere right now. How do workers stay safe and how is that impacting the availability of workers in the swine industry? Yeah, you get a couple things there. We do have packing plants um, today and really within the last, oh, I'd say 10 days or so that have been really active in um, supplying, you know, personal protective equipment over and on top of what they normally would. Um, the other piece is doing, you know, some staggered entry and exit out of uh, packing plants, some staggered breaks. Um, staggered lunch breaks, that sort of thing to keep people separated. And then most plants too, especially the ones I'm familiar with here in the upper Midwest, are also installing plexiglass uh, barriers between workers on the line, very similar to what um, you know we see, in fact, exactly similar to what we see in grocery stores in the checkout lines today. You know, in order to help create that barrier, create that social distancing that everyone acknowledges needs to happen in order to prevent spread and uh, and prevent exposure. And the other thing that, again, that I've seen um, with the packing plants that we've interacted here is they're, they're taking this very, very seriously. You know, they've got a commitment to their workers um, to keep them safe. And, and I know they're taking that seriously. Um, plus, they need they know they need to have healthy workers to continue to operate their plant to provide food. And so that combination hopefully will be good for us as we try and continue to work through this. Um, but so far, again, the what I've heard from our plants, and they've been working very closely with our state uh, Department of Health on the human health side um, to make sure that things are being done in the best way possible to protect workers. 
And I think as long as we do that, we're doing our best. And then hopefully that's good enough as we move forward. Certainly, Dave. Um, talk to me about the seriousness of this situation. How many plants, numbers, percentages, how many plants are closed or face closure at this time? How many producers fear that they'll close? Um, if we look at kind of percentage wise, you know, we've got probably somewhere in that, you know, close to 9% of our packing capacity that is, um, is shuttered right now. Um, that is a moving target. Um, so that can certainly change from day to day. So I want to make sure and, and caution folks on that, 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 that can move. Um, and so what that has done is that there are a whole host of farmers, um, that, you know, have got pigs that are market ready and at, as of today, don't have a spot to go with those pigs. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, one of the downsides, um, of, especially the plant in Sioux Falls going down is they were probably one of the largest buyers of pigs from independent pork producers. And so, um, that in itself probably affects more individual farms directly than maybe some of the other plants um, if they would have gone down. And so it, it spreads some of that pain out into you know other families, other communities. Um, but the other thing is that whether the plant that you were delivering to or not shut down, it's still just creating an overall tightness in the whole industry and obviously results in hog bids that are much less than they uh, would have been without all of this. You talk about plants closing due to workers being sick. I've heard from uh, vegetable growers in California that they think part of what's hurting them is that people are afraid that their food is becoming infected with COVID, that the vegetables actually would be infected with COVID. Are you seeing the same thing in meat? You know, no, not necessarily. I think early on there were some questions about that, but the, the science so far has been really, really consistent and that 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 really just isn't the case you know and so as long as folks are following the same sort of things that they would have always done from a standpoint of food safety there is absolutely zero increased risk here you know i think as we look at um quite honestly on some of the the fruit and vegetable pieces that we've heard from folks is that you know people are trying to limit the amount of uh trips to the grocery store um period you know, and so they may only go to the grocery store. Some are trying to figure out how they can go maybe only once every other week. And so if you're dealing with fresh fruits and vegetables and people are only going to go to the grocery store every other week, some of that is going to go out of condition before you can actually eat it. And so there's some other dynamics. I think that happens with some of that, too, depending on the product. Dave, you talk about those individual producers uh, suffering. Are they going to be able to bounce back or even stay afloat during this time? What are you hearing? You know, I think that depends on a number of things. You know, there have been some folks now that have been successful working through some small business administration programs. Um, the Paycheck Protection Program is one of them that um, that we've heard some success with, with farms. Um, and there are some other small business administration programs that farms are working through through their, their lender. Um, and I do think it's really going to depend on, again, that relationship that they have with their lender. You know, obviously the existing amount of equity that they've got um, in their farm, um, what sort of marketing plans that they had in place. So I think that effect is going to be different for each individual farm, but but I don't see anyone being unscathed. I think it's just a question of degree um, for each farm. 
I do know too, you know, that, uh, you know, Congress is actively and the administration is actively working on, on some aid packages. Um, at least at, at this recording, we've not heard what those exactly will be. Our asks though have been for direct infusions of cash back to farms, um, and truly back to farms. Um, so that they've got that to try and, and hang on with and, and reorganize with. And then the other is a is a $1 billion purchase that the government would make of pork products. And again, those are requests right now. USDA is, is uh, working through those requests because there are other industries out there too, you know, whether it's, you know, the dairy side or beef cattle and ethanol and fruits and vegetables and so on that also have asks um, of the federal government and of the money that's available for right now. And uh, we're hoping that we'll know relatively soon because then that will help guide us as to next decisions and next um, asks um, either of Congress or the administration. And it also starts to give some a little bit of a clear roadmap to lenders and how they'll end up working with their respective farm borrowers. Dave, on the government side of things, what are you hoping to see? I mean, we hear about bailouts or aid packages. What is best case scenario for the swine industry? I'd say best case scenario is if we can have the ask that we uh, that we're making this week, and that is cash payments out to farms to help with liquidity. Um, and then the uh, the second piece is a government purchase to try and take product off of the marketplace to have some relief there. Plus, that product would go into food shelves, um, which serves a need on that um, standpoint as we look at our general economy and just playing the number of people that have been laid off. You know, I think an absolute tragedy is to throw away good food. And um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to avoid that completely. But, you know, as, as we look at trying to provide for, you know, our fellow person out there, you know, if there's ways that we can work through uh, to provide food for people, um, I think that's incredibly important as we work through this. Because uh, again, it, it's a tragedy to throw away food um, if we don't uh, if we don't have to. It's an absolute tragedy, and of course, farmers—they're um, not strangers to hardship. The global industry was already grappling with um, African swine fever when COVID-19 struck. Are there lessons from African swine fever that are being applied to this new challenge today? You know, they really are from a standpoint of, especially if we do get into situations of, um, of putting healthy animals down. You know, there are some plans that we put into place and some, um, some demonstrations some drills that we'd already started on. Um, Going back to a little bit earlier this winter, looking at some issues around, you know, depop and disposal. And so there's some of that that I do think will be useful. Um, it's not exactly the same because we're dealing in this case with healthy animals versus animals that have a foreign animal disease. Actually give us a little more flexibility, in fact, quite a bit more flexibility with healthy animals, but we still have to do it responsibly. You know, and that means we're doing it timely. Um and we're making sure that we're protecting the environment as we deal with those sorts of things. And then also, most importantly, too, is that, you know, the people that work with pigs on a daily basis, they're really wired to save pigs and and to do the best they can to raise pigs. They're not wired to put them down. And so, especially when they're healthy. And so I think there's some just kind of people and mental health things that we're going to have to be cognizant of if we're forced into these situations 
because again, the, the folks who've got working in barns and the owners of pigs, I mean, they truly care about the animal and want to do the right thing. And, uh, if we get forced into some of these pieces that, that really are not, not real great choices, um, we need to make sure we're taking our care of our people in that whole piece too. It's important that you bring that up. Um, you know, you talk about the mental health side of things. You talk about putting down, potentially putting down healthy animals. What does that look like from the eyes of a producer or somebody who works in a barn? You know, I think it's just, it's a stress that people just probably didn't think about, you know, and, um, and yeah, I think it comes back to as simple as, you know, people want to hire folks, you know, that work in their barns that are, again, that, that are empathetic, um, that are caring, uh, that want to do the right thing. Um, and, um, and it, it'll be tough on them. And I think that the important thing is for employers and other family members to, to recognize that and uh and to help people through it you know and i'm not saying that there's any magic way to do it other than the first the first i think acknowledgement is to just make sure that that you recognize it okay and then take that into account if we end up getting forced into those decisions dave how do you think this pandemic is going to change the swine industry in the long term will there be will there be changes for example to farm size prices production biosecurity um, you know, quite honestly, I think the biosecurity side, we were doing pretty well. Um, and I think there's continual improvements on that that happen no matter what. Um, you know, farm size, you know, I think unfortunately what, what happens in, you know, in things like this is that there, there does tend to be uh, more of a drive towards consolidation when you have things like this happen. Um, you know, and I think that in no, no matter what industry you're in, um, the pork industry, other parts of agriculture, other businesses, um, that tends to be one of, of the consequences that does come out of it. Um, I think, too, um, you know, just depending on what sort of equity, you know, that, that farmers end up, you know, getting to um, and the work they do with their lender, and consequently, any sort of inflow of cash that may come from the federal government is really going to dictate then what the industry looks like coming out the back end. We will have a pork industry coming out the back end, and it will be competitive and will provide safe, affordable food just like we always have. It's just probably going to look different. We just don't know what to what degree it will look different. Um, you know, without a doubt, I think that, you know, lenders, um, they look at some different requirements from a standpoint of equity, you know, going forward to kind of account for some of these black swan sort of events that seem to pop up. Um, but that's yet to be determined, too. Do you see any kind of a, a silver lining to what is happening right now for swine producers? Any kind of opportunity, so to speak, in the midst of this crisis? Well, that's a good question. Um, and oftentimes it is really difficult to um, to see a silver lining in things like this. Um, you know, in hindsight, um, one silver lining is a lot of the planning that um, and relationships that have been built um, based on African swine fever and foreign animal disease in general that really do help in situations like this. Um, you know, when you're in, you know, a, a challenging time, 
and and you need to be working together with folks uh, to try and address things, that is no time to be exchanging business cards for the first time. And so I think this does give us a less kind of a lesson of relationships with folks that can help your business and to build those things over time is incredibly important, whether that's at the farm level or whether it's at the association level or business level. Just never take those connections for granted because you just you never know when you're going to need them. Um, and those things need to be developed over time. Speaking of uh, taking things for granted, uh, you know, with our food supply threatened at this time, in your eyes, does it change the way the consumer sees agriculture? In your opinion, are they looking at agriculture now in a more positive way? Um, you know, I think that in some cases they may be. Um, I think the uh, other thing that, that goes with that is that, you know, I think the first natural thing for folks, you know, is to kind of look inward. So they're going to look towards, you know, their own personal financial situation, um, you know, whether they have a job or not, when they will get back to work. I think some of those more immediate things are going to probably be on more the, the general public's mind first. Um, but I do think it's instructive and kind of already when, even with some of the panic buying and so on that's gone on in, in, um, in grocery stores, um, you know, whoever thought that you would worry about where toilet paper would come from, um, or, and as we see meat shelves that are not as, as full as we're, we're used to, you know, or going in to buy a can of soup and there's no soup left. There are some things that are kind of, I think, instructive on, you know, we've got a fantastic, um, food supply in this country, but the chain itself, every once in a while can get a little shot or, you know, threatened. We've seen that right now. And so we shouldn't take it for granted and we should be grateful for that, uh, or the food production we have in this country. I think some people will be more appreciative of it, but it's also our job to produce food. You know, that's why farmers are in this business and they're going to continue to do so. And, and do it in a way that's responsibly. And, um, you know, I think we'll see a shift, but we'll see what uh, what occurs there down the road. So many things changing. Uh, there's just a great cost on many levels with, with what's happening right now. And, of course, nobody can predict what's next. We all hope it's, it's sooner rather than later that this whole thing is over. Dave Preisler is our guest today, the CEO of Minnesota Pork. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. And we all wish for better days, and we hope they come soon. For additional resources on COVID-19, visit Alltech.com. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.